The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You're listening to Making Life Brighter on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel, where we provide you with the latest information in natural healing, consciousness training, and all cutting-edge healing modalities. Featuring experts in their fields, including authors, musicians, and artists, Making Life Brighter will be a forum for healing, inspiring, and uplifting entertainment. Here's your host, Winifred Adams. This is Making Life Brighter, and I'm your host, Winifred Adams. We're back with Lee J. McCloskey, who is the resonant renaissance man of our era. And I did a show in the fall on Lee. If you haven't listened to that show, you need to go back and reference that show after we're done here because it was a phenomenal show. And many of you wrote to me and told me about your experience with that show and the things that you considered after that. Lee is known as an actor, as a painter, as an artist. And what we're doing here today is we're sitting in his amazing living library studio And we are exploring consciousness as he has channeled it through painting, which is actually 3D painting when you put on 3D glasses, and it's absolutely phenomenal. Thank you for coming back again, Lee. It's nice to have you. It's delightful to be back. This is just amazing. All of his work is breathtaking, and it is an experience that those of you who are nearby or even far away need to come and have. If you haven't been into this studio to see this, this will be historical art one day and what it is is it's telling a story of consciousness through the depiction of all elements including dna the heart mother matter matter as he calls it lee this is really phenomenal so tell us a little bit again about how you began this journey i know we we touched on it last time but i really want to remind people as to where this began for you because it's so incredibly inspirational it started with 9-11 and it started on your floor in this studio on linoleum right right it began what we're what we're sitting in which i now call the living library uh, is uh, and it calls itself the hieroglyph of the human soul which began on the day of 9-11 when the towers came down and a language called the Watcher language started to emerge through my pen spontaneously. And my life as an actor, also my work with the archetypes on the tarot, taught me to really not over-identify, not to uh, try and stop something, but to go with the energy and see where it will take us. And what we're sitting in, uh, this this entirely painted room, I've painted the ceiling, the Every book in the room. Everything. Everything. And painted (laughs) inside and behind. Because what happened on my mind was this sense that we have to begin to tell a story not of getting somewhere. But why has it been so hard for so long, for so many? And when we look at history, we realize it's been really written in blood and sorrow and difficulty, and it never ends well. And so I realized on 9 11 and not knowing that it would come, you know, it would develop into things. 
But I really began to see, sort of in the biblical Noah sense, that the last flood was water, and this one's information. And at least where we live, we have to begin to tell a story of why being human matters, why there's a nobility in our human journey. And of course, when we think about the location of art or when something emerges, what's really important here is this is my home. It's the sacred place where each of us dwell, which is where we dwell with those we love, or if it's if we're alone, it's our heart, where our heart is that feels uh, most intimate. And this is very important because the story now is that the library, the painted library, the hieroglyph of the human soul, has woven the context of a cave painting, meaning that it says now we're returning home, but we understand because the library is the upper floor, so we ascend into the living library. But we ascend because we are supported by the domestic space and by the studio below, which is the one I designed for my father. So there's a studio below and there's a studio above, a bit like the old axiom as above, so below. And why this is important is that it's telling us through art, through creation, that we're finding our way home, that we're going to realize that in our DNA, that we are not isolated but each of us wears the robe of this whole adventure called what does it mean to us? And then as we return to understand as a parent understands, I looked at my daughters, I looked at my wife, and I said, my story now is not to convince the neighbor, not to be angry about his politics, but actually to look into the eyes of those I love and say, how may I tell a story of how your love has healed, how your love has lit up the verses that would I want to leave that message behind. That's what this is. Never thought it would become as beautiful or as multidimensional because, as you say, it's also 3D, which was not expected. But it is insane. You will discover that you're the technology. You're the outcome of the great question what does it mean to And when you return home, you'll realize that you're a book and a great library, a human story, and that every book, like every thread, Where does the story end? Because this is not, there's no end point in this room. And this I, room is a, is, a, is, a, is a story pointing into yes. the middle and back out again from every angle. Yes. If you think of a library as just that, a library says, I'm not interested in what books you agree with and don't agree with. Your opinion of authors doesn't fascinate me at all. I'm the library. <laughs> I'm the conversation. So I'm interested in what are you going to bring to the conversation. I'm not interested in your critique of the conversation. You're human. Stop trying to be more than human, because when you become more than human, you become so much less than human. So do stand in humility in the middle of your story, and realize now that you have access to it, you also have the responsibility to tell a story worthy of the ancestors. That's our call. Now, which, which one of the paintings you've done speaks to that very premise? I think that it is the cumulative story of the environment itself. I think that um, the, my painting, Phoenix Arise, which is a painting of the 5574 oil painting in the studio of creation and, uh, and uh, the awakening of creation of the Big Bang, that 
that by chance, when I printed that in card form, I dropped the cards, the cards mirrored each other, and revealed first the yolk, and I mirrored the top, and there was an egg. There was also the uh, flames, and there was a double helix as I put the cards together, and it revealed from a painting, from a picture, which is our first language. Paint is the story of what? Creation. So only like can reveal like. So this painting, this story of creation, and the act of creation, when it mirrors itself, creates a holographic double helix DNA. And then when we put it together, lo and behold, it opens into dollars, all that create a unique sun, S-U-N, at their heart. So what a painting is done, taking us back to the caves, right? Because paint is our first language. Our first language, our language of spontaneous creation is telling us, ah, do you see, now you're going to perceive that in your DNA, guess what? You're a work of art. That the reason it's so difficult is not because this is a world predicated on, let's see how painful we but actually, the fires of the pain are alchemical. And just as the chisel hitting the stone of Michelangelo is from the stone's perception, it is always painful. We do not understand. And the artist says, Ah, oh, I'm releasing something that is so beautiful, and we go, What pain? It hurts. But finally, we're realizing that when we look at ourselves not as the outcome of just our life, but that our life is the outcome of all life, then we'll see that this great sculpture has been being created. Not just as us, separated, but in us, as connected. And that's what the library says. Look at all of this. Look at the pain and sorrow of the people who were still willing, even in the darkness of their time, to say yes. Even though I know I'm going to die, I still have to paint. I still have to write a poem. I still have to tell my beloved why I love her, even if it'll cost me my life. And then we stand in the library and say, ah, oh, now I see. I am the Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, I feel like whenever I walk into this room, it, it becomes not only alive and living, but it's almost like someone's following me around, whispering as I look at each thing. Every, every time I take up one painting from floor to ceiling and stand in front of it, or can I say experience it? When I experience it, something else happens to my field. What's happening in here? This is exactly what happens to a bird painting. A field of suggestion. Because the point is, we're surrounded by art books, by artists. I realize that the artists are already in our consciousness. I want to inspire you. And I don't want you to tell you to paint like me. I want to inspire you to paint. Because where you can go, I can't go. And that's not a matter of crap. That's a matter of imagination. You see, and that's why I think that what we're learning now is why the whisper, like it's saying, if I tell you that you're not going to believe right. if a whisper comes, a suggestion comes, it becomes leaning into the curiosity, leaning into the possibility. And that's why the environment here is the technology of the imagination. Because it says, you see, you study the form, you stabilize the form. And so long as you're afraid of leaving the form, meaning that going into your imagination, you're always going to try and organize around in a way of fear of imagination because you want things to protect you because you feel that there's something to be protected. But what this is telling all of us now is actually our human species is maturing to a point of no longer being told, even if they are still being told, it's profitable, 
to fear the imagination, the imagination is starting to whisper to us, what if you get down in this Like a voice of Socrates going, I don't know much, I know nothing. But I want to explore this possibility. He says, I think it's true. I see it in ways I couldn't have ever imagined. You see, and that's, that's ensemble. That's the co-creative universe we're entering. That's the acquired combination. We're leaving a Piscean model of dominance, of either or, of being defined by reaction. What am I against? Who am I not? Why are they different from me? And that period separates. It, it creates the library, the discernment, in a sense, the difference of things, like the keys of the piano. Right. <clears throat> but we finally come back now, full circle, we come home to the co creative. Yeah, and why would this have to be in a home? Because the co-creative says, guess what? You're family. You do not live alone. Your enlightenment is not, hey, guess what, guys? I'm out of here. I'm ascending and I'm gone. That's bad theater. Enlightenment is the enlightenment of love, which says, ah, the more I love, the deeper responsibility I feel toward others. Not like, I'm out of here. I'm done with this life. I'm off this prison planet. Believe me, that's one way to stay here. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. But you know, it, it speaks to the idea of, even though it's ensemble, even in the paintings that you've done, you have to yourself stand up. You, you have to take that journey by yourself and stand up, and you have to go through that eye of the needle by yourself in order to realize that oneness, yes. the totality of the oneness, yes. the family, so to speak. Yes. And then yes. how the family influenced you. Yes. And I think that's when we understand we're not trying to do it at the expense of one another, but we're actually trying to do it at the amplification of it. You know, how do we take our unique propensities? That's what I would love to discuss in all these different stories. Yeah, absolutely. You know what? We're going to be right back. This is so fascinating. We could talk for hours and days, and we will. We're here with Lee Jade McCloskey. This is Making Life Brighter. We'll be right back. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Journey to John of God for healing with your guide, medical intuitive Winifred Adams. Experience healing with the world's most revered transmedium, John of God. Witness incredible healings, visit the sacred waterfall, and experience the heart opening wonders of the Casa de Dominacio in Brazil. For more information, visit makinglifebrighter.com. Tune in and visit the archived shows to learn of the miraculous healing with John of God. Special offer when you mention you heard it on the Health and Wellness Channel. See the website for details, www.makinglifebrighter.com. Making Life Brighter, your health and healing resource. With 20 years of successful healing, medical intuitive Winifred Adams has assisted thousands of people with their health and emotional well-being, including a celebrity clientele. An expert in emotional healing and body system health, Winifred specializes in emotional trauma and hard-to-solve cases. An official guide to John of God, Winifred works with people from all over the world to facilitate optimum health. Visit MakingLifeBrighter.com for more information and a discount off your first session. Appointments available in person or by Skype. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. 
Welcome back to Making Life Brighter with Winifred Adams on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel, the preferred choice for conscious education and entertainment. For more information, please visit us at makinglifebrighter.com. If you have questions or comments, please email us at radio at makinglifebrighter.com. That's radio at makinglifebrighter.com. And now back to the show with your host, Winifred Adams. We're back with Lee J. McCloskey, Renaissance man, in his studio, the Living Library in Malibu, California, today. We've been talking to Lee about his amazing artwork, which is not just art. This is an exploration into consciousness and how it moves through him to come into this beautiful living library, painted walls, furniture, books, amazing artwork everywhere, showcasing his ability to almost channel this information of an understanding so that we can see it, and not only see it, but see it in 3D reality. So when you walk in here and you put on these glasses, you sink into the floor, you you merge into the wall, you begin to feel what he's he's painting, and I wanted to say saying. Did you hear that? I almost, I almost said saying, but that's what I mean. It's a feeling. You become alive with it, and it works on you. And so we were talking about that last last segment, but Lee, I want to talk to you about the story of the sacred rock. And you have so many You pull from the tarot, you pull from Toth and Egyptian, everything. You pull from all the great artists, and it just comes from every direction, and it lives here. All the books on the shelves, all of it. But you have a very special and unique story about some rocks that you found, and they aren't just rocks. Will, will you tell that story, please? Well, I, <laughs> it, it is a story I love telling because, like, watching my children be born, there is an impossibility and a type of divine choreography underneath it that's revealed because the stones, the story of the stones, and the, the pun is that my work as an artist, because I was always a professional actor, I, was private. I mean, I published my book on the tarot and for the most part, my work was uh, private, and, and my friend of mine had asked for uh, me to make a grimoire, which is a book of magical spells, for his movie Shadow of the Vampire, which is uh, by his marriage. And it turned out that it was cut from the film, but it ended up being seen by Keith Richards. And so Keith Richards saw my magical grimoire, and it toured with the Rolling Stones for two years. And Keith Richards would do his solo and my magical grimoire be projected on these enormous screens. And so here we have this living wizard of Keith Richards and the Rolling Stones performing inside of my magical grimoire. This is also my first public outing as an artist, and it's with the Rolling Stones, and this is in 2005. That's no little thing. No, that's, that's, <laughs> that, that is mind-blowing. I have to say there is something astonishing when you see the Rolling Stones performing inside of your magical grimoire. I can't imagine a more magical act for anyone than, than really? one of them. It's, like, it's like, honey, I'm going to debut my artwork. Do you don't mind coming with me to this concert, do you? <laughs> yeah, they're a little band, and they're not too well known yet, but I think they've got some promise. Uh, and, uh, no, it's, because they also, when I realized the Rolling Stones also are very prevalent, their magic comes from being connected, not... In a way, they're, they're part of the creative explosion that led to, in a sense, those who followed after. But they are the primary source. So I realize that there's this primary source 
relationship over the birthday. And back in 2005, on Easter Sunday, I'm walking a few miles from here, actually up the creek where I, where I grew up, um, which ran through my family property. So I was walking up essentially my Ganges, my river of life. Um, and and I'm being uh, rather silly. I, you're not silly. No, I, I never. I'm completely serious. You know, <laughs> never, never, never crack a smile. Um, actually, I learned here it's not enlightenment; it's enlighten up. Uh, yeah. So, uh, in that mode, I was being rather, rather silly and jumping from rock to rock, going, oh, well, "I'm a wild and crazy guy." And I hear, a com- just inwardly, I hear, "We are the Shumash elders. We walk outside of time, what you call dream time. For us, this is a time of communicating. For you, it's still a time of dreaming." I think the number, and I pick up the first of these stones. So the first stone that I pick up turns out not to be a stone, but actually a fossil. And it's a scallop, but a geologist tells me, well, Lee, this isn't actually a scallop, it's it's, its child. The bivalve uh, clam is the child of this brachiopod. Well, the brachiopod, it turns out, he says, uh, largest you'd ever seen is the size of a dime. Well, this brachiopod is the size of a human heart, and it fits in the palm of the hand. Um, and I picked it up, and I looked at it, and I started to turn it, and I started to see that there was the head of a, was a child, there was a bearded elder. When you turned it another way, you could see the face of a bear. You turned it again, you saw the, the head of an eagle. You turn it again, you see the face of the snake. You flip it over, you see a walrus. And if you turn it to the side, you see a scarab uh, beetle. Then you turn it upward, and you see the face of the uh, on Mars that we see, and the elongated head of the alien that we also see. It turns out that this brachiopod has been extinct over a quarter of a billion years. This is at least half a billion years old. So this goes back to the first ocean. Well, if we think about it, Easter Sunday, now it gets more and more lovely. I hope you've got your mythic helmet on. <laughs> because on Easter Sunday, well, the Celts celebrated Esther, where we actually get estrogen from. And this is where, of course, the wily Christian's going, good idea, let's take this Esther and we'll make our Easter celebration because Esther, that the Easter eggs were actually Esther eggs that were painted red for fertility. And the eggs, so it was always uh, Easter in the pagan period was actually the celebration of the return of, the, of life. So you have fertility. Well, what's interesting, so on Easter Sunday, Easter Sunday, I find a shell that is actually the whole shell. It's not half of it, it's the whole. So it really is holding the entire story of creation in your hand. I realize that what one holds is the seed contains the animal, mineral, uh, uh, human, alien seed that is thrown from the seed across the ages will appear all of these different qualities and conditions because like a ball of yarn, it begins all condensed and then it flows out through the waters of the ages and finally will reveal all of these forms as unique forms. What's very interesting is that in Egyptian mythology, that the Ben-Ben stone, which is the capstone of the Great Pyramid, is actually the fossilized scene of Osiris. And the story of Osiris is that he is cut into 14 parts.
parts. And his beloved Isis goes to collect all of his parts. And the only part she cannot find is his phallus. So she lies upon the dead Osiris and conceives uh, uh, which would be the, the uh, I mean, Horus, which uh, is, is through the dead Osiris. And Osiris turns out that the phallus, why she can't find it, is that the god consciousness cannot exist in the form and time, but can only grow a body across the ages that can hold in its DNA the story of Osiris. So essentially we have the falling into the waters of this idea that across the surface of the waters, that, that civilization upon civilization grow all of the items, the living library, the creating of books of what it means to be human, because it could be one god or another god or one person. It could be one time, because what we want to do is to grow residence, resonance, to finally allow ourselves to come full circle, as we do with this stone, with this, as I, I think of it, as the heart stone. We finally come home to a family where we find in a stream bed the fossilized womb, not the fossilized semen, because the scallop, if we think about it, is what do we have? Botticelli's, what, Venus is emerging on the half shell, right? Mm -hmm. The scallop for the Catholics is you'll always see this, this uh, scallop as the recurring motif. It's saying that the Mother Church protects the tender flesh. So this is always the symbol of the spiritual program. And that's why this then becomes such a loaded story because it's actually saying that, that we are now realizing that the seed, the heart, comes full circle, it comes home to say now we can hold in the palm of our hand, not listen to the Osiris, that great vault and majesty, great story, but the intimate story. And that's why it had to be the family. And that's the story of the stones. That's amazing. Now, when you place this stone on the other stone, Something else happens now. Where did you find this this bigger stone? I found the other stone. Now, the other stone, you must understand, is a bigger stone. Um, and it is actually composed of fossilized bivalve plants, which are the children of the bracket body. In the same stream? In the same stream, same place. Same day? No, uh, on Mother's Day. So, oh. uh, we have, and I think it's very funny, you have the sacred with Esther, or the sacred with Christ. Mm -hmm. And then you have Mother's Day, which is a secular, but the same thing. And this time I find a cluster of bivalve clans. And I take this home and I put it on the table and it stands upright. And when we look at it, it looks like a child with its head in its arms, leaning over as if in uh, almost like, in, like a fetal position. in a fetal position. Mm -hmm. So when I looked at this and it was standing upright, I had one of those, I wonder what would happen if, not that I figured this out, but I took the one stone, I took the heart stone, and I put it on top of the body of the child. Uh, how did you know to balance it that way? It sits I, exactly it on sits top exa of... And it's not just, and when we look at it, we realize it's garment. That it's it, actually, it, it looks like wow. Yoda Buddha. It, it does, it, it really looks like, it, it takes on a whole new aura, it, and it looks like a being. And that's why with, with a meditative Hopi, being. it's interesting. The Hopi talk about the Japoni stones, which is the return of the stones that tell the story of the journey and purpose of human beings. And this actually shows us that the seed source, the heart stone, the ancient stone that is uh, essentially extinct from our point of view, right. 
has journeyed across the ages holding this story. But while this story has been held, this other body, the innocence of humankind, not knowing why it was born, what its purpose is, in a fetal position, worried that maybe it isn't about anything, rises. But at the same time, what is astounding is when you look at the top of this foundation stone, the child, you'll see at the top of the head actually an eye. And so oh, we actually yeah. see an eye of urine. Oh, yeah. And what's astounding is when we put the heart stone, we don't cover the eye. So it's actually revealing in stone, in this ancient uh, relationship, we are now creating a new partnership. Wow. We'll be back with more Lee J. McCloskey. This is Making Life Brighter, and you're going to have to check this out on YouTube. This is amazing. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Journey to John of God for healing with your guide, medical intuitive Winifred Adams. Experience healing with the world's most revered transmedium, John of God. Witness incredible healings, visit the sacred waterfall, and experience the heart-opening wonders of the Casa de Dominacio in Brazil. For more information, visit makinglifebrighter.com. Tune in and visit the archived shows to learn of the miraculous healing with John of God. Special offer when you mention you heard it on the Health and Wellness Channel. See the website for details, www.makinglifebrighter.com. Making Life Brighter, your health and healing resource. With 20 years of successful healing, medical intuitive Winifred Adams has assisted thousands of people with their health and emotional well-being, including a celebrity clientele. An expert in emotional healing and body system health, Winifred specializes in emotional trauma and hard-to-solve cases. An official guide to John of God, Winifred works with people from all over the world to facilitate optimum health. Visit MakingLifeBrighter.com for more information and a discount off your first session. Appointments available in person or by Skype. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Making Life Brighter with Winifred Adams on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information, please visit us at makinglifebrighter.com. If you have questions, comments, or would like to make an appointment with medical intuitive Winifred Adams, please email us at radio at makinglifebrighter.com. That's radio at makinglifebrighter.com. Making Life Brighter, the preferred choice for conscious education and entertainment. Now, back to the show with your host, Winifred Adams. Back with Renaissance man Lee J. McCloskey here on Making Life Brighter. And if you've missed our very first show that was broadcast last fall, you need to go back to the archives And you can go to makinglifebrighter.com and go to the radio tab, and there you'll have their archives, where you can also go to the podcast on iTunes and subscribe there. But to listen to the first show will help to explain some more about who Lee is and why his artwork is so incredibly dynamic, who his inspirations were, where it came from. He's done a tremendous amount of study over the years, and you know him as an actor, you know him as a movie star, but he is, as he'll say, sort of a just ordinary fellow telling a story and bringing to life something, but this is not ordinary. So if you come here and you get the opportunity to come to Malibu and 
be a part of the living library at any given time, you'll understand this experience is not something you can easily put into words. And so you can see part of this on the YouTube channel at Making Life Brighter, and we'll have segments of it as we go, it, with Lee explaining his art pieces and each one and where it's coming from and what it's saying, because it is not just a story, it's truly an experience. And when you go through it and you look at it, and especially with 3D glasses on, you become it. You're one with it. And like he was saying, you are part of this room. The room is part of you. So, Lee, I'd like to go back and talk a little bit about the stones that you found and the serendipity, which was, you know, alchemy unto itself, both with the stones and your finding them on various days, you know, specific color days, what that meant to you. So what is it in totality after you found them? What did this say to you? shaped stone on top of the, the larger one and it became a bit like the Buddha. What what did this do for you? What did it tell you? When we look at history, we start to understand how stones have always played a very great role as guardians, as ancestors, as storytellers in our relationship to our human experience. And whether it's Stonehenge, whether we look at, at the, the Mecca, we look at the, the stone of Mecca, that, that all of them tell different stories. What is amazing about these stones, because I, I started to realize that uh, now my home is where I've had uh, discussions. I've had roundtables for, for 33 years of Western, Western tradition, and really gathering not simply the library, which I have been gathering, but also the people in a way, the, the curious. This has been the roundtable. And of course, part of my great love is the Arthurian legends, Arthur and the roundtable. And I started to realize with what these stones actually get at is the story that we realize with Arthur and the Round Table is that the sword in the stone was that Camelot existed. It was just the ideal state can exist, but human failings essentially um, make Camelot something that is passive and blossom. What is interesting about these two stones is I realized that the heartstone, the headstone, this ancient on the uh, sitting on top of the foundation stone, the child stone, created a new story because the two stones together are really the size of an infant. And I began to realize that what this was telling us is that the journey of the Piscean revelation, of our theory of myths, of alchemy, were all about the, in a sense, the battle, what you would call the journey of individuation. How am I not? So each of us as knights are exploring different parts of the forest, we're coming back, we're sharing it, but it's still a battle, and we've seen for generations since, it has always been a battle. But the story here is that we're finding home. In other words, it's not a battle. It's not where is the next battle, or where is another book, or a new law, but essentially we've come full circle, we've gone through the ages. And so these stones come to me, I'm convinced now, as an ordinary human being, not as a king, as a, a special title, but as a human being that, that really took his Camelot, which is just a ranch-style house, but, but <laughs> gathered, again, the worthy and curious. And by worthy, I mean worthy because they are curious. Though Those that said, let's not have a conversation or a critique of what's going on in culture, but let's realize that culture is essentially the inheritance of all our human stories. And if we gather together in our curiosity, will amplify a story that we can live with, and that's what's happened here. And so this sense of the infant, the sense of this 
this being, this ancient being, the size of a newborn, is the stone and the stone coming together, telling us now, you see, now your ancientness, like a newborn child, is asking you to nourish it with your dreams of what you think being why it matters to me. Think of the parent's responsibility. When you have children, you look into their eyes and you say, I don't want to tell you a story of my fear. I don't want to give you that toxicity for your generation. So let me tell you something that allows your heart to say yes rather than yikes, that allows your eyes to open rather than want to stay shut. And that's what I love about these stones, because they are quite literally tangible and impossible and beautiful. And when you see the stones together, there's an ancientness that is palpable. And I feel that that's the story of our soul. It says, I'm innocent, I'm beautiful, I'm palpably present now. But I'm asking you not to give me that. I'm asking you not to hate me. I'm asking you to hold me as you would hold your own infant. And say, I love you. And because I love you, I will protect you. I will not harm you. You see the contract that's happening here? And this is the stones saying, your ancientness looks to you. I cannot speak. I have no lips. You can speak. And you can speak with the story of ancientness that comes from your heart. Yes, from your heart. heart stone. Absolutely. Yeah. And ironically, within your paintings that you had done previous to finding the stones, these very symbols and in almost the exact same shapes are found in your artwork. Yes. Right here on these walls and the floor. And that's why I realized I was a cave painter, because everything that has come to me uh, and things that I drew and I had written shortly before the stones came to me, we need to find that truth that fits in the palm of our hand, like William Blake said, to find eternity. It's not like you needed affirmation, but you, because you didn't need affirmation, you were open to the discovery of what came, and then brought it back and placed it and contemplated it some more, and realized it was already living in the library. Yes. And that's what's amazing. The different things like the, the discoveries from the Hubble, some of the pictures I had painted before I saw the photographs. And I feel like this is what the microcosm, macrocosm, as above, you are the event horizon. These things are alive in us. And that's why I do. I feel that it's coming to say your story will awaken when you tend toward the mythic. See, I realize that if we're tending toward the scientific, we're seeking to prove, we tend toward the religious, we're seeking to prove. If we tend toward the mythic imaginative, we're seeking to explore. And by that I mean that, that both uh, the, the exploration of things is finally saying you're the center of experience. If you're an actor playing Hamlet, Hamlet will emerge through you as a unique Hamlet. It will be Hamlet, but if another plays it, it will be another Hamlet, and yet it will still be Hamlet. That's what the stones do. That's what myth teaches us. It says this is our story, not you are audience and this is their story. This is our story. And that's why the stones came home. And I think if I had tried to do it or intended any of this, it would never could have no. happened. Yeah, you can't you can't force something like this. This is You can't force love. Yeah. That's what we're understanding. But love you can receive. Exactly. And that's what art is proving. That it's not a product, it's an approach. It's how do I live with a sense of curiosity? How do I protect that innocence and not allow that part of myself to be brutalized by a world that critiques rather than creates? How do I do that? And I really feel that what this is getting at is trust the storyteller 
trust the subtlety that comes to you. Realize the branch that comes into your story is the branch. The stones that find you are the stones. And that all of these things will tell us, essentially, the same story, but in the lens that makes sense to our context. See the generosity in that? That's why I love that I that many of the questions I had have been answered, not because I've tried to answer them, but I've given myself permission to explore them. Exactly. And like a relationship that says, oh, you're curious about me. Now I should know. Mm-hmm. You were defining me. Hey, talk to That is so beautiful. That's a perfect way to put it, really, because you can either receive or you can define. Yes. Yeah. And if you're defining, you can't be receiving. <clears throat> you can't be on 94.5 FM and 101.1 FM at the same time. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. You are either on one or the other, so which one are you on? And when you walk into this particular room, if you are not receiving, you're observing. But when you do receive, you become. Yes. And when you walk into this room after all these years of having done this, and you've told this story countless times, you've spoken of each art piece over and over and over again with such passion, it's mind-blowing. What do you feel when you walk in the room now? It's a lot. I feel the same love for this entity created with paint and imagination as I do for for my my wife and children. There is this honoring of what we would think if we were Indians, the creative spirit. And I understand because this is very important. The indigenous are right on about this sense of honor the creative spirit. Do not take but give. Ask for true relationship. Think when you approach creativity that you're not being an artist. You're falling in love. You're being a lover. So ask the beloved to attend and be worthy of it. And we will finally have art that is creation again. Because creation shows up when we're willing not to have an agenda, but to have a desire and a willingness to discover. You know, this, so that's, it's that's receiving again. So now, we have one more minute. Tell me about the little stone. The little stone. What was the story? I, uh, uh, I was actually uh, prompted to go and give thanks for the stones. I was very thankful when I found them. But I went back and I walked up the street bed and I, uh, I held a ceremony. I thanked the ancestors. And I thought that was enough. I thought your generosity is beyond imagining. Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> And as I was leaving, all I heard was like that. And I lean over and I pick up a perfectly round stone. Well, the round stones to the Lakota Indians were the Wanataka. They were the spirit entities. And they put them in a, in a pouch and wear them because this was the spirit entity. And lo and behold, it turned out that the round stone came to me. The orbs started showing up in my photographs. I painted Mothership, which is the story of life generosity about atoms, but this was generated by the return or manifestation of this third stone, the trinity of the heart-mind, the foundation, uh, the child stone, and then the round stone, the heart stone. And I'm convinced this is the spirit that's saying, ah, it was once a line, now it's a circle. Make sense of that which includes and doesn't exclude. Realize that the circle or the sphere is who this and you are yourself to see you have the heart mind, the body, and you have the dream of a world that must.
possibility that in each of us are the living library, that each of us are significant and responsible to this multifaceted gem of what does it mean to be human. And that's Amazing. why I'm still speaking. Amazing. Thank you, Lee. We'll be right back. This is Making Life Brighter with Lee J. McCloskey and the Living Library. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Journey to John of God for healing with your guide, medical intuitive Winifred Adams. Experience healing with the world's most revered transmedium, John of God. Witness incredible healings, visit the sacred waterfall, and experience the heart opening wonders of the Casa de Dominacio in Brazil. For more information, visit makinglifebrighter.com. Tune in and visit the archived shows to learn of the miraculous healing with John of God. Special offer when you mention you heard it on the Health and Wellness Channel. See the website for details, www.makinglifebrighter.com. Making Life Brighter, your health and healing resource. With 20 years of successful healing, medical intuitive Winifred Adams has assisted thousands of people with their health and emotional well-being, including a celebrity clientele. An expert in emotional healing and body system health, Winifred specializes in emotional trauma and hard-to-solve cases. An official guide to John of God, Winifred works with people from all over the world to facilitate optimum health. Visit MakingLifeBrighter.com for more information and a discount off your first session. Appointments available in person or by Skype. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Welcome back to Making Life Brighter with Winifred Adams on the Voice America Health & Wellness Channel, the preferred choice for conscious education and entertainment. For more information, please visit us at makinglifebrighter.com. If you have questions or comments, please email us at radio at makinglifebrighter.com. That's radio at makinglifebrighter.com. And now back to the show with your host, Winifred Adams. We're back with Lee J. McCloskey here in the Living Library in Malibu. We've been talking with him about his amazing stories with the Chumash and the historical stones that he's actually discovered, which seem other planetary. They seem off-planetary. His stories of synchronicity and his artwork and how it all comes together in this room and on this floor and on these walls is just literally an experience you must have. So go to Making Life Brighter on YouTube and check out the videos so you can see exactly what we're talking about here. Lee's been writing books along the way as well and taking his artwork to books. So if there's something there that you'd like to have and a great gift for anybody at any time, his Tarot book is amazing and Tell us a little bit more about the books that you've written so people can get a piece of your artwork and, and really contemplate some of what you've done. My, my books, I, I have seven books, um, but the, the, the ones that I really feel are so helpful, uh, my tarot that you mentioned, my tarot revision. Um, Phenomenal book. And I spent 17 years revisioning, so they're all unique, original painting. painting drawings. You painted the, all of the, all they, of the they artwork were, they in were, it. Yeah, they were all, they were, they were actually all pen and ink drawings, and I, I did but, uh, all of them. And they took me on a journey. The creative process and this process of exploration 
took me so deeply into archetype and into, because as an actor, I was wondering about the theater, the psyche, why do we have, people say, be yourself, you always think, well, which one? You know, there's a lot going on. And, and, and this is what this book, because it is a labor of love, is tremendously helpful with, is that it helped me understand and this, uh, the, the relationship of the piano, the keys of the psyche. Why, why are there these different characters? And the study of this will help us move toward not taking everything so personally. It teaches us, because we've been taught it's all personal psychology. What tarot revision gives us a tool for is to say, no, 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 it's not personal psychology. It's human psychology you're experiencing personally. And if you understand the operating system, if you can understand the keys are not personal any more than if an actor plays a murderer, he's not a murderer, we're opening up into that relationship, but we're holding the truth that we are not that. We are allowing that to be expressed creatively or imaginatively through us within a safe environment. This is why it's very important. Many of the things we need to know psychologically now are about creating healthy theater in which we can express these things and not take them personally. So I feel that this book is a seminal work, meaning that it will be the new chapter in Tarot, because it takes us not into divination, but much more into the inheritance of the deep symbolical nature of our consciousness and the picture language within our consciousness. That's why all yes. of my work is picture language. And the other books actually came from my pictures. My second book was In the Splendor, which is a mythic romance of of lover for beloved, and it's the story of my holographic DNA. The discovery of that led to this revealed myth called In the Splendor. So that is both, it's a picture book because it takes us through the development of the whole and holy weave of our sacred DNA from a painting, by painting, from an act of creation. So that then also, my third book, was directly related to this work in the Hieroglyph of the Human Soul because its story really takes us back to Genesis of Adam and Eve and the serpent. Why the serpent? Why the apple? And after painted on the central pillar in my hieroglyph of the human soul, she told me a story called Adam Reborn and Eve Restored, a romance of two parts. It is one of the most beautiful stories. And as a matter of fact, if I were a billionaire, I'd make sure it was next to every Gideon Bible in every hotel room. So at least there's a story to offset, to not deny the other story, but to say, as my tarot does, maybe you know what? If we don't stop digging, but we go deeper, we'll realize that there's a greater beauty that's been being overlooked. And our storytelling is not to change the story, but to reinvigorate the story. And that's what the love of Adam Restore, Adam Reborn and Eve Restored does. It allows the heart to open and go, oh, of course, I knew there was more to the story. And it's told to us with art. It's told in, in poetry and beauty. And I think it's one of the most beautiful stories I've ever heard. And it was a great honor to essentially, as Blake would say, you know, uh, to speak to future generations by sublime allegory. I've created a grand poem. And I may praise it because I dare not pretend to be its author. Mm -hmm. I'm but the secretary. It's authors in eternity. Boy, do I feel bad about this. And speaking of authors in eternity, my works on the Codex Tour, which are books that I created over 24 years, which are all over 500 hand-drawn uh, illuminations of this journey into consciousness, to use the tools of creation, to explore the nature of creation. And that book, my Codex Tour, ended up with Flying Lotus and his album, Cosmogramma, which was highly acclaimed. 
So essentially, there's this story of the, the illuminated codex. And actually on YouTube, if people want to look up Cosmogramma inside the codex, uh, Flying Lotus made a video, about a two-minute video, that shows the studio, shows my codex, and shows that work in a very appealing way. But those books are available, too, uh, through my uh, com, so that people can get... I work. I and and the grimoire is published, but it's it's essentially uh, as well. So that's my uh, my my books. You all have to go out and get something of Lee's. It's absolutely a journey. And when you open any one of these books, you'll begin to understand the depth of this conversation and the previous and subsequent conversations yet to come. That this is not just. I think I'm going to paint today, or for seven years, or I'm inspired this moment. This this is a living journey, and he is truly the librarian of this of this library. Yeah. I mean, you are the gracious librarian. Anytime anyone comes in, you here you are, and you know people would get tired of telling the same story over and over again. You get more inspired. I do. As a librarian, you realize a unique volume has walked into your library. You go, ooh, you know, you're this book, but I want to remind you, you're actually all of these books. So let's look in the mirror. Let's see yourself, <laughs> your unique spine, your unique name, and all these wonderful pages of you. But you're also this as well. And it's told to us in a home, in the sacred space of intimate relationship. Not from on high, but from linoleum, from that which is ordinary, and it's transformed not into gold. It's transformed into imagination, which is our true goal. And that's why I really do. I'm always enthusiastic. I do. I feel like an old librarian. You now. are always enthusiastic. You're amazing. <laughs> and it's a phenomenal thing. So I, I recommend everyone go out and uh, at least check out all of his work and, and take a look at it. Because if you get to have this experience, do come and have this experience. And if you can't get here, at least experience it through your heart, through these talks, through online all, you know, all the things that are available online and definitely through the books. Now, we have but one more minute, and I wanted to ask you very quickly, when you painted this, did you know the colors you were going to use? Did you consciously say, I'm going to do this and this, or did it just come inspirationally to you as you did this? It came inspirationally as I did it, because when I shifted from oil to acrylic, which I needed to do when it went to the floor, it changed my color spectrum, but I realized that it balances the masculine and feminine, that the lightness of the color of the acrylic creates the incredible lightness of being that allows us to breathe in this deeper resonance of the oil painting. So there's a real tone poem going there on is. with color, it's and no vibrant. one's more surprised than me. I'm sure. I'm sure. And this must be a discovery and had been ongoing. But we'll have to continue this conversation yet again because... Indeed we will. <laughs> it does not end here. Thank you so much again, Lee. Yeah, this has been a, a true, true pleasure. So... You've been listening to Making Life Brighter. You can go on to makinglifebrighter.com for more information about Lee J. McCloskey, and you can go on to the YouTube channel, Making Life Brighter, to see some of the videos and some of the artwork that we're showcasing today. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thank you, Lee. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Making Life Brighter on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Be sure to join us each week at 10 a.m. for information, inspiration, and education with leading experts in healing and consciousness. For more information and a complete show schedule, please visit us at makinglifebrighter.com. Making Life Brighter, successfully helping you feel better from the inside out. Yeah.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.